Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand, please, with me? Turn to page 649 in your hymn book, page 649. Mansion over the hilltop. We'll sing all three verses as we begin together tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one, that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday But walk on streets that are pure as gold Though often tempted, tormented and tested And like the prophet, my pillow a stone And though I find here no permanent dwelling I know he'll give me a mansion my own I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old and someday But walk on streets that are pure as gold. Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim. In search of that city, I want a mansion, a harp and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder, we will never more wander, but walk on streets that are pure as gold. Amen. Great start tonight, preacher. Well, it's good to be back in God's house tonight. Amen. Sure thankful uh, that you are here uh, tonight and good to have some guests here. Uh, with us tonight, and certainly excited to see uh, Miss Alicia Watson follow the Lord in baptism uh, tonight, and so looking forward uh, to that. So let's pray tonight, ask God's blessing uh, on our services. I'm going to ask Brother David Griffin if you would pray for us tonight. 
uh, tonight. Uh, what a blessing. So she had a whole duffel bag with her tonight, and I said, you're not going to be left here for three days like Jesus did this morning in the temple, amen, and, and uh, what a blessing. Did just want to mention a few things tonight. Of course, uh, this is our first Sunday of the year and uh, beginning the month of January, and so we did have our bulletins go out today and wanted to encourage you to get uh, the bulletins, and, and especially if, uh, especially you need to know this, we are updating our directory and things like that, and then we also do something where we send out a text alert uh, uh, with, with different things if we have uh, any kind of issues or changes to our services in light of the weather and stuff like that. So do want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that and uh, make sure that you do that if you're not uh, in our directory or, or things like that. Also wanted to mention this uh, too, uh, the, the couples retreat, the Midwest couples retreat is February the 2nd and the 3rd, and that's a Friday and Saturday. The cost is $190 uh, per couple, and so if you are a married couple and would like to go to that, you do need to sign up, and tonight is the last opportunity to sign up for that. I get You can sign up later, but it does cost you a little bit more uh, money, and so I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Uh, looking forward to a good time. It is at the the Double Tree Hotel, not the Dollar Tree Hotel, uh, over here in Overland Park. So it is nearby, uh, but just want to encourage you to do that. Look, you don't have to make your own bed. You can stay at the hotel, amen. And uh, it does also pay for a, a breakfast there at the, uh, what's called the Trophy, I guess, or Trophy Restaurant. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's not spelled like trophy, like I want a trophy, but that's the way it looks to me, amen. Uh, but anyways, it is good food. I don't know if they, maybe they got a trophy for it. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, there's a free breakfast and all that. But just want to encourage our couples, if you're, inter- if you're planning on going to that, you do need uh, to sign up by tonight. Then also wanted to mention a couple of other things. Our outreach for this month of January is, is Saturday, uh, January the 13th. So that'll be coming up here this uh, next Saturday. Uh, that'll be at 1030 in the morning over in the Fellowship Hall. And then if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, Make sure you're aware January or January the 15th, which is on a Monday, is no uh, school. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead tonight. Let's continue singing from page number 305. Page 305. <clears throat> we, we did this song uh, a while back on a Wednesday night, so hopefully all of you will remember it. But sing it out best you can. We'll learn it together tonight if you don't already know it. Let's sing. Once like a burning prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt But Jesus came and listened to me And glory to God He set me free He set me free He set me free He broke the bonds of prison for me I'm glory bound my Jesus to see For glory to God He set me free. Now I am climbing higher each day. Darkness of night has drifted away. My Jesus is planted on higher ground. And glory to God, I'm homeward bound. He set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. For glory to God, He set me free. Goodbye to sin and things that confound. Not of the world shall turn me around. 
Daily I'm working, I'm praying to, and glory to God, I'm going through. He set me free, He set me free, He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus to see, for glory to God, He set me free. Amen. If you know the Lord is your Savior, He has set you free tonight. Amen. That's for the Ethan Whitney, if you would. Pray for the offering tonight, please. stand again please turn to page 647 for our last song together tonight page 647 just a little while to stay here just a little while to wait we'll sing all three verses together sing it out on that first now soon this life will all be over and our pilgrimage will end soon we'll take our heavenly journey be at home again with friends heaven's gates are standing open waiting for our entrance there some sweet day we're going over all the beauties there to share just a little while to lay here just a little while to wait just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight just a little more of trouble in this slow and sinful state then we'll enter heaven's portals sweeping through the pearly gate soon we'll see the light of morning then the new day will begin soon we'll hear the father calling come my children enter in then we'll hear a choir of angels singing out the victory song all our troubles will be ending and we'll live in heaven's throng just a little while to stay here just a little while to wait just a little more to labor 
in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of troubles in this slow and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gate. Soon we'll meet again our loved ones, and we'll take them by the hand. Soon we'll press them to our bosom over in the promised land. Then we'll be at home forever throughout all eternity. What a blessed, blessed morning that eternal morn will be. Just a little while to stay here just a little while to wait, just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this slow and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gate. Aren't you excited for that day? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing tonight, just before the message tonight, of a special from Miss Lauren McRae.
job good job Lauren that was a blessing right there and it goes right along with the message tonight amen good stuff like watching our young people you think that's easy that's not easy and that's a blessing tonight well sure glad you're here want to invite you tonight to first Samuel in chapter number six in your Bibles and if you're able to stand tonight want to ask you to stand in honor of the word of God tonight getting back into uh, the kings and and the prophets and uh and uh, excited about uh, tonight, of course, it's been, I guess, probably around about a month, I think, that we've been, uh, haven't been in the Kings and the Prophets through the Christmas time and, and the month of December and, and things uh, going on. Of course, the last time uh, we were here, we saw uh, Ichabod uh, come to uh, Israel, uh, landed on the house of Israel, the glory of the Lord, that's what that means, the glory of the Lord has departed and the idea is that God's judgment fell upon the house of, of Eli. Uh, his sons uh, were killed in battle. He died upon hearing the news. And of course, the Ark of the Covenant ended up in the hands of the Philistines uh, in, in the midst of, of the battle. And then, of course, in the next time we got into that, we saw the pain of idolatry as the Philistines tried to hold on to the Ark uh, as their trophy. All right, and, and so what happens is this, is that God didn't need Israel, but Israel sure needed God. And what happens is, is that uh, Dagon, their false god, uh, is found fallen before uh, the Ark of the Covenant. His head is chopped off. His hands are chopped off. And then following this, God afflicts the Philistines with emeralds. If you want to know what that is, go back and read it. I ain't got time to explain it tonight. But I'll just tell you this, it ain't good. Very, very painful. And so where you and I pick up tonight, here's what we find. Nobody wants the Ark of the Covenant. Let's send it back to Israel. Amen. All right, so chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says this, And the Ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called the priest and the diviners, saying, what shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. Because the idea here is this, we don't want it anymore. And they said, if you send away the ark of the God, ark of, the God of, the, of Israel, send it not empty. But in any wise, return him a trespass offering. Then ye shall be healed. 
And it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. And said they, what shall be the trespass offering from uh, which we shall return to him? They answered, five golden emrods and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords. Wherefore, ye shall make images of your emrods and images of the mice that marred the land. And ye shall give glory unto the God of Israel, peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. Wherefore then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he had wrought wonderfully among them, did, not, did they not let the people go and they departed? Pretty interesting right there. But you know, this is, this is what I thought about is that even an idolatrous people that didn't know God understood that, that sacrifice was still required to serve God. It's hard not to preach on the wicked stuff that's going on in our country and in American Christianity. Where it's, it's, listen, the reality is this, when it's convenience, you're still God. It's idolatry. Now look at verse number 7. Now therefore make a new cart. Now this is where we're going to get into our message tonight. Now therefore make a new cart and take two milch kine. Okay, that's milk cows is what that is. I don't know if they had a white one that did regular milk and a black one that did chocolate milk. I don't know. But they had two milch kine. But now watch this. On which there hath come no yoke. And tie the, and tie the kine to the cart. Bring their calves home from them. Take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put the jewels of gold which he returned for him for a trespass offering and a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go. See if it, be, if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh. Then he, hath done, uh, then he hath done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. We just were having a lot of bad luck. Look at verse number 10. And the men did so, and the two milch kind, uh, and took the two milch kind, tied, up the, tied them to the cart, and shut their calves at home, and they laid the, ark of the Lord upon the, uh, laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the coffer of the mice of gold, and the images of the emrods, and the kind took the, and took the straight way to the way of Bethshemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Bethshemesh. They're just watching. And they, and they of Bethshemesh were reaping with their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Bethshemite, and stood there where there was a great stone. And they clave the wood, cart, wood of the cart and offered their kind of burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord the coffer that was in it, that was with it, wherein, or where, uh, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Bethshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed the sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. And these are the golden emrods which the Philistines returned for a trespass offering unto the Lord. 
And there's one for Ashdod, Gaza, Escalon, Gath, Ekron, the golden mice, according to the cities and villages and all of that in verse 18. Look down at verse 19. And he smote the men of Beshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. And he smote the people, 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he uh, go up from us? And they sent messengers unto the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up, uh, up to you. They were saying this, We don't want it either, man. It's a pretty powerful scene here. Pretty powerful scene. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight? Thank you for these dear sweet people that are here tonight. Excited, Lord, to see Alicia follow you in baptism. Well, Lord God, just before that, would you help us to glean something from this great passage tonight? Lord, I ask you to bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated tonight? So where you and I pick up tonight at this point, no one wants the possession of the ark. So the Philistines do this. They gather together and decide to send the ark back on a cart hooked up to two milk cows. And I want you to listen to this tonight. The reason that they do this, it is for a sign to them that all of this judgment and affliction is truly from God. The uniqueness of the milk cow's behavior would determine whether or not Jehovah was truly God. And, and, and guess what? The milk cows do exactly that. They take the ark of, of, of the covenant back to the land of Israel. And the idea tonight is this, and I want you to listen to this. The milk cows give us a picture tonight of what is needed in the Christian life and why. A unique behavior in obeying God and His Word. That's what's needed in the Christian life. And here's why. Because there is a whole world out there given over to idolatry. And they need to know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and wants them to be saved. So that's why I titled the message tonight, Who Wants to Be a Milk Cow? I didn't change it to Who Wants to Be a Heifer? As I mentioned this morning, in his book, The Biblical Museum, James Gray records this testimony. When native converts on the island of Madagascar used to present themselves for baptism, it was often asked them, what first led you to thinking of becoming a Christian? The answer usually was that the changed conduct of others who had become Christians was what first arrested their attention on Jesus Christ. Quote, I knew this man to be a thief. That one was a drunkard. Another one was very cruel and unkind to his wife and kids. Now they are all changed. The thief is an honest man who works. The drunkard is sober and respectable in his community. And the other man is gentle and now kind in his home. There must be something in a religion that can work such changes. The converts would say, and I would say to you tonight, it's not a religion, it's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That was just the best way they knew how to describe it at the time. The reason I'm telling you this tonight is to show you the impact and the influence that God's people can have when we submit ourselves wholeheartedly to the Word of God and we begin to let it change our lives. 
In doing so, we become unique to a world that desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, God knows this, which is why He commanded it in His Word. But He also gave us examples in His Word to look to to see the impact that it can have. I want you to understand tonight, and I think many of us would know this, we are called to be a peculiar people. And I'm not talking about peculiar. I'm talking about strange to this world and its ways. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous lights. So how do, you, how do you and I show forth the praises of Him that it says there in that verse? Well, here's how. By being obedient to His Word in every facet of our lives. Being Christ-like is more than a post on Facebook. Being Christ-like is being in church when the doors are open. It's separating from the world. It's letting God change the way that we talk, the things that we say, our finances, the places that we go, the things that we do, the friends that we have, how we dress, everything. The, the list could go on and on and on. And the idea is our whole lives, that's becoming a peculiar people. But here's the other thing. It's also patterned in His Word. Do you not understand tonight? There's a reason why Daniel was exalted in the Babylonian kingdom and used in a mighty way before God. Well, here's why. Because he chose as a teenager not to partake of the king's meat and wine. There's a reason why when Persia came in and wiped out Babylon and they took over, Daniel was once again exalted in the kingdom. Well, here's why. Because the Bible says this, they found Daniel to have an excellent spirit. You know what that means? Listen, and by the way, the only thing they're going to be able to find him guilty of is spending time with his God in prayer. You understand? There's a reason why you look into the New Testament and you read through the book of Acts and the church, uh, the churches down through there had great power with God and influence on their communities and saw people getting saved and baptized and following the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, it's because they wholeheartedly submitted themselves un unto the Lord. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. This idea, th this idea of separating, this idea of being a peculiar people, it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a Bible thing. It's found all the way through the Scriptures, the Old and the new, friend, and, and I'm just saying to you tonight, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what Paul said. We, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Before you and I dive off in the passage here tonight, I want us to really focus in and just kind of see a couple of reasons as to why this is so important. Just from this passage tonight, I want you to go back with me, if you would, to verses one through five. And let's read down through there again together. Notice it says that the ark of the Lord, and the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, what should we do with the ark of the, to the ark of the Lord? Tell us, uh, tell us wherewith we shall send it to this place. What I find interesting right there is this, is that they didn't, they didn't think about destroying it. Man, they were scared to death of it after all the judgment of God that's been happening. And then look at verse number three, and they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty. 
and in any wise, but, but in any wise return him a trespass offering, then you shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. And they said, What shall be the trespass offering for we shall, which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emrods and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on, was on you all and on your lords, and so wherefore, and so he tells them to make images of their emrods and images of the mice, golden images, and give glory unto the God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. You know, the first reason right here why I see why this, this whole principle tonight is so incredibly important is this, is that like the Philistines in this passage, we live in a world that's wholly given over to idolatry. You know, you read something like this and you begin to read commentators and boy, they just dive right off into the whole golden emeralds and, and the golden mice created by the Philistines and just, you know, and just rambling on and, and those kind of things. But here's the thing tonight. It's all they knew. It's all they knew how to do because this is how they worship their false god Dagon. They were idolatrous, excuse me, they were idolatrous just like we are. And obviously this is not what God demands of, of His people. We, we realize that tonight. Uh, it, it, he, wants, he doesn't want, listen, He doesn't want the work of your hands and mine. Really what's required is this, what's required for your sin and mine. And for us to have a right relationship with our God tonight is blood for sin. That's the reality. This goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. And in the effect, the rock of Abel that's mentioned there in the text as you continue reading down. But the idea is this, is that Cain brought his works and Abel brought a sacrifice unto God. And, and so God looked upon Abel's sacrifice, but he despised the actions of Cain because Cain knew that it was blood for sin, but yet he brought his own works. Come on, I said he knew it. Well, well, how can you say that? I mean, it never says that God told him. No, 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 no. His mother and his father told him, Adam and Eve, because they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves and their own works. And when God came along, he said that wasn't good enough, and he covered them with coats of skin which is animal skins, which means this, blood was shed for their sin. Look down, at, look down at verses 15 and 16 of the chapter here. Just quickly it says, And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, where, where, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them in the great put them on the great stone, talking about the stone of Abel. And the men of Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifice offerings the same day unto the Lord. And then in, ver in verse number 14 there, you can even see where, where after the milk kind got there, they, at the end of it, they offered the kind a burnt offering uh, unto the Lord. See, in the end, the two milk cows would be sacrificed unto the Lord, but also there were more sacrifices. And the idea is this, this is what God demands of His people. Folks, it's no different tonight in the New Testament. Please listen to this. Religion's not going to save you and give you a right relationship with God. It's not going to do it tonight. Confirmations, confessions, communions, the list goes on and on. Religion makes them out to be sacraments or means of salvation. Listen to me tonight. That is nothing more than idolatry. That's all that is. You, you understand? And even tonight, we're going to have a baptism after the service tonight. And Alicia knows this. Baptism doesn't save her. She's already been saved. You know how she got saved? By humbling herself and repenting and putting her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way man can be saved. 
That's what God has said in His Word. The blood has already been shed for you and me. And it was done on the cross of Calvary once and for all. And all man has to do today is come to Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it clear, friend, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Well, what's remission? Remission is forgiveness of sins. It's carried all the way throughout the Scriptures from the Old Testament and and, and Adam and Eve to Abraham to the law and then Jesus Christ once and for all. And so that's the way it is for us today. We must come to Christ in salvation. Well, what about Mary and what about the Pope and what about this and what? No, 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 no. They didn't die for you. They didn't rise from the dead for you. No, friend, I'm telling you, there's only one who gave himself a ransom for all of mankind and who's the mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. There's only one who rose from the dead, has authority to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. That's Jesus Christ. Oh, I I know tonight it's Sunday night, preacher, and this is stuff we already know. Yeah, but we need to hear it again. But please get this, religion only isn't the only place where idolatry has become prevalent. It's everywhere. I was in the middle of it yesterday at the KU game. Son, had a blast. Don't get me wrong, had a blast. But I kept thinking, here's a stadium full of people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that on the way home, and then I was pulling down here to the red light, and I saw the ugliest RV I have ever seen pull in front of me, and it was gigantic and white and had a big red N on it for Nebraska Cornhuskers. I was thinking, man, burn that thing. Son. I did think of Brother Gary Waters back there, though. I heard him saying amen. It's just terrible. You know, the sad part is there's people worshiping tonight at a stadium in our city idolatry you can say what you want but when these things determine your attitude for the rest of the week and they're what you live for and give your time to and your money and even sacrifice your family over them they're no different than a day gone and the reality is tonight listen the list could go on and on and here's why listen to this when we refuse to serve the only true and living God by faith something or someone else will take that place And it can be a sports team, and it can be a hobby, it can be a religion, it can be science, it can be your own children. And it can be you. And that's idolatry. And I'm just telling you tonight, the only way to to escape the judgment of God is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why He said, you must be born again. But let me give you the other thing. See, the other thing about this passage is this, is that like the Philistines of this passage, the world we live in needs to see someone unique. I want you to go back with me. We just read verses 1 through 5. I want you to catch verse 6. This is interesting. He says, Wherefore then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians? And Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? Now, you got to, listen, I, I didn't really, though the Philistines were ignorant of how to worship God, listen to this, they weren't ignorant of the works of God. You, you understand? They, they had heard of what God had done in Egypt, and I didn't spend a bunch of time tonight just, just, you know, trying to discern 
the timeline here, I suspect it was at least 100 to 300 years uh, later because you have the generation of Moses and the generation of Joshua that's now all of, all of past. Then you have Judges, so there's even more time. So man, it could have been around six, seven, eight hundred years. I, I don't know, but I'm saying this. They're still talking about what God did in Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea. They're still talking about it. And what I would say to you tonight, listen to this. What I would say to you tonight, and I even said it when we went through the life of Moses, what the Red Sea is to Israel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to us. And this is what I thought about tonight. While I realize there are people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, the majority have heard his name and possibly, most likely, have heard of his work. And here's the point. Because of this, they also understand that his people should bear a uniqueness in their character. The Philistines demonstrate this in the following verses with the milk cow. Look down at verse number 9. This is what they say. Now this is the conclusion. So they've already got the milk cows together. Here's what they say. And see, if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Bethshemesh, then he hath done us this great evil, but if not, then we shall know that it is, not his, it is not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. So here's what they're saying. Fellas, let's get these two milk cows. Let's get them hooked up. Put the ark on there. Put the mice on there and the emrods on there. And, and let's send them out. And if they go the exact way they're supposed to go, We'll know this is from God. If they have this unique behavior about them, we'll know this is from God. But if they just go all over the place and they're just distraught and all that, we'll just know it was just a bunch of bad luck. You watch some of the things happening in our country today and here's what people are saying. That's just a bunch of bad luck. And maybe it's high time they see that God's people have some uniqueness about them that sends the message that there is a God in heaven. And that's really what these milk cows do. It's incredible. Let me give you some things about these cows tonight. I I love this. Number one tonight, this is what was so unique about their behavior. Their willingness to give up that which was precious to them. Look Look down at verse number seven just quickly. He says, now therefore make a new cart and two milch kinds, so again, that's milk cows, on which there hath come no yoke, and tie the kind to the cart. Now watch what he says here. And bring their calves home from them. Now look down at verse number 10. And the men did so and took the two milch kind and tied them to a cart. And, And so notice they did this. And shut up their calves at home. All right? Now, you and I are going to have a little ranch class tonight. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a rancher. All right? I did. Now, I will say this. I haven't been around cows that much, but I've sure been around people that have been around cows. You know, I pastored in Cassville, Missouri, southwest Missouri, for, for 10 years. And when I was there, we had several families in the church that had cattle. We actually had a man in the church who worked at the cattle auction in Joplin. Yeah, man, drove all the way up there and uh, was a blessing. And uh, son, I'm t- for Pastor Appreciation Month in October, they, they would fill my, uh, they would bring home, they would, they would get a half a cow butcher. 
And I, I had like 71 pound things of hamburger meat. And you want to listen, you want to, you want to know what will make tacos taste better? Real cow. Beef ribs? Mm-hmm. That'd go good on the trailer right about now. That's all. Anyway, focus, focus, focus. You know what? All of them will tell you the same thing. If you took a calf away from their mama, that mama's not going to be happy. She's going to make all kinds of noise crying out for her baby, and she is going to fight doing anything that you want her to do to get back to that baby. The point is this. This was one of the signs of uniqueness of these milk cows. They removed their calves from them and shut them up at home, it says. But instead of reacting normally with a bunch of mooing and fighting with the Philistines, the milk cows humbled themselves and left their calves behind. Listen, I I think it's a no-brainer tonight as God's people that we ought to be willing to give up the evil things of this world to live for the God who died for us and loves us. I think that's a no-brainer. I, I, listen, we, we, we've, we've certainly already seen where this is an expectation on the law or from the law that they have this expectation that we would do this. We should have that expectation as well because it's found throughout all of the Word of God. But I also believe that what, what has an even greater impact is not only when we give up those things, but when we give up things that might be okay in and of themselves, but they've also been deemed as normal by the world to live for. You know, we touched on some of those things this morning when we saw the 12-year-old Jesus Christ being left in the temple. He's willing to stay there and let his earthly family go so that he could be about his father's business and where much of this world centers their lives around family and what they are doing and where they are at. It becomes unique when the child of God centers his life on Jesus Christ and does what he wants him to do. And in turn, they're willing to give that up. Certainly a powerful, powerful thought. I don't want to dwell on that because we heard a tremendous amount on that this morning, but I'll tell you another one. Here's another one. Money. Today, money often dictates the decisions of man. Our jobs, where we live, everything that we do, and it's unique when someone decides to not, to, to not make money the center of their life, but instead make Christ the center of it. In fact, I've, I've even seen God's people struggle with this often. I've said this on a multitude of occasions, that one of the greatest dangers God's people make is to assume that just because more money is involved, then it's automatically from God. Please listen to this tonight. That may not always be the case. If it pulls you out of church to earn it, that's not from God. If it pulls you away from serving Him, that's not from God. If it moves you to an area where there's not a Bible-believing, independent, fundamental, devil-hating, King James-only Baptist church to serve Him in, then I would say to you tonight, that's not from God. The last thing God's going to do is to give you something that removes you from giving Him glory in your life. Don't make that mistake, my friend. But what I would say to you tonight is this. What shocks people is when God's people step back and regardless of the money, they say, I'm going to make Jesus Christ the center of my life. That's what's going to determine my decisions, not money. That's powerful. I I can remember 
you know, and I, I, I don't want to, again, belabor this because many of you know our testimony, but, but I wasn't in ministry at the time. I, in fact, I'd just gotten saved and her oldest daughter was born, Madison, that's now already gotten, gone through college and, you know, moving in her career. And, and I can, you know, I can remember her being just born and I had just gotten saved at the age of 20 and, and I was welding for a living and, and the, plant, the chemical plant that I was closing down, uh, that I was working in was closing down. And so I had all these different kinds of opportunities. I could go down here to this place and go on the road and make this amount of money or that amount of money or this or that. Or I could stay local and I would make less money and all of these things. And I remember Natalie and I sitting down and weighing the pros and the cons. But when it all came down to it, this is what we said. I would much rather be in church than to be on the road and making more money. But yet my daughter looking down going, Mom, where's Dad at? And we came to the conclusion money ain't everything. And I love that conclusion, man, and I'll keep saying it over and over again because here's the thing, it ain't everything. And I can tell you this tonight, after watching my kids grow up in a Christian home, regardless of whether we were in ministry or not, Christ became the center of our family in our lives, and I can tell you tonight, we made the best decision we could have ever made. Not letting money dictate what we did. Now let me help you with this tonight. When we made that decision, everybody went, what? Because that's strange to this world. But it sure had an impact. And by the way, it's still having an impact. That's the way it ought to be. Let me help you with something else tonight. Look down at verse number 7 and 8. To me, this is such a powerful thought here. He says, now therefore make a new cart, verse number 7. Take two milks kind, on which there hath come no yoke, Tie the kind to the cart. Of course, it talks about their calves there. Now look down, uh, look at verse number 8. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart. Put the jewels of gold which you returned him uh, for a trespass offering and a coffer beside thereof. Sure thankful they didn't open that, uh, open that ark, amen. And send it away that it may go. Look down at verse number 10. And the men did so and took, the two, and the, and took two milch kind, tied them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with, with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. No, number two tonight is this. This is what made them unique. L- listen to this. Not only was it their willingness to give up that which was precious to them, it was their willingness to carry the burden of God's presence. The ark. Do you note there in verse number seven, it says this. It says to take two milch kind on which there hath come no yoke. I don't know if you realize this or not. Milk cows don't pull wagons. I have never watched a western where John Wayne pulled up in a wagon pulled by milk cows. If I did, I'd probably turn it off. What is he doing? That's nuts. Because they don't do that. You you understand, wagon pulling is for oxen. It's for mules. It's for donkeys. It's for horses. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. We, we would understand that. I'm not trying to give you anything deep. I'm just simply trying to say that this is what made them u- unique. They, they yoked these cows up to a cart and pulled the Ark of the Covenant on it, which represents the presence and the power of God, and they're going to haul it all the way to Bethlehem. That's unique. Not only did they take their babies away from them, they tied them up to a milk cart, put a yoke on them, a big board, and wrapped ropes around them. 
put them hooked a cart to it, and then there they go. Nobody's even driving. Nobody's even driving, and they stayed in the lanes better than people on I-35. Hey, man. Rachel, what, what does that mean? Here, here's, here's what I thought about. This is so amazing. I, and I hope it comes out the right way. As God's people, listen to me tonight. We shouldn't be carrying the burden of sin in our lives like this world. And that doesn't mean we don't, we, we don't sin, we, we no longer sin after salvation. We do. I said we do. Come on, that's Bible. For somebody to say they've reached a place of sinlessness, they're liars. And the truth is not in them. First John makes that very, very, very clear. I love the story of... C.H. Spurgeon that heard a guy saying that, that he had reached the point of sinlessness and at a preacher's meeting. And the next morning, he saw the same guy down in the hotel lobby and snuck up behind him and poured a, poured a gallon of milk on top of his head, and he quickly found out he had not reached that point. Because <laughs> nobody does. But you know what it does mean? It does mean this, and this is what I'm trying to get across to you tonight. If you're saved tonight, you have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. Do you, do you realize this tonight? Listen to me, Christian. If there's been a time and place where you humbled yourself and called upon the name of the Lord and you were born again of the Spirit of God, please listen to this. All your sin at that very moment was cast as far as the east is to the west. Everything. The past, the present, the future, everything. And you're given a right relationship with God. Watch this. And that never changes. You'll always be a child of God no, what you, no matter what you do. My kids will always be my kids no matter what they do. What a great... So, so here's the thing. Listen, listen to this. So as a result, watch this. Guilt shouldn't be eating you up. You know what the burden of our daily lives ought to be? It ought to be that we're confessing our daily sin, that we're being restored to right fellowship with God, and then we're striving as His children to remain in His presence and power throughout our day. That's the burden you and I ought to be carrying. You know what, this, you know what the world does? Listen to this tonight. This, I'm telling you, sometimes I write stuff that I, I can't... Uh, anyways, they live in the past. That's what the world does. Do you listen to this? They live in the past. They wallow in bitterness and regret. And they try to bury their burdens in their idols, their religion, their addictions. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this. If you're a child of God, that shouldn't be you. The only burden you ought to be having tonight is this, to be prayed up and filled up with Him. And you walk around like that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be unique. I, I, remember, I remember after getting saved, I was still working in the same chemical plant. I'd worked in for like seven, seven years, six, seven years. I got saved. And there were some guys that I'd worked with. We were on a, you know, I worked on a labor crew and a, a welding crew and stuff like that. And there were some other guys, they did insulation 
And, and then there were some other guys, they, they did painting. Those were all different breeds of men. You know anything about construction, you know what I'm saying. But I remember working with some insulators, and I hadn't worked with them for a while. And we were, I had just, I had been saved, and, and God was working in my life. And we were work, walking down through that chemical plant, and, and we were, I can't even remember what we were doing. And he just looks over at me and goes, he looks over at me and goes, man, what is the matter with you? You are different. And he wasn't talking about it in a bad way. He was just like, there is something that has changed in your life. Because, he, you know, my life was different. I, I had a smile on my face and, and the joy of the Lord in, in my life. And, and so when he asked that question, that opened the door wide open for me to preach to him all the rest of the way down the walkway. And I told him, well, here's what happened to me. I got saved and trusted Christ as my Savior. And it was just a real blessing. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, own horn tonight or anything like that. But, but what I'm saying tonight is this. Look at our world. Well, you know, preacher, people are just becoming so much more happier. What world are you living in? What fantasy are you in? Let me know, because I want to get in it. Because when I go to Walmart, I don't see it. When I go to Target, no, I don't go to Target. I don't, I don't. I can't even go to Trader Joe's, man. That's big money, too. That's a, just kidding. Whole Foods. The world's becoming more and more bitter and more and more angry. Listen, I was thinking about this. We just went through Christmas time. People listening to songs about having the Christmas spirit, whatever that is, giving and joy. Did you go shopping? I went shopping. I didn't see any of that that I listened to on the radio. I heard on the radio they were talking. Because they don't have Jesus Christ. What's also heartbreaking to see is the same attitude in God's people. Folks, don't you know tonight that if you're a child of the King, your sins have been forgiven. You you now have access to the God of heaven in prayer. You have His Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Please listen to me tonight. Stop living in guilt. Let go of the bitterness and forgive whoever you've got to forgive. And drop the regret. God's forgiven you and God loves you. Get right with Him, get filled with Him, and walk in His joy in your life. Be in His presence. And may I, may I say tonight, that's a much lighter load than what bitterness and sin bring to this lost world. I love what Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. My burden is easy. My burden is light. All of those things are found in those two verses. I'm just telling you tonight, it's good to be saved, but it's even better when you have a right fellowship with God and you're filled up with His presence and power in your life. That's where the goodness is at and the joy is at and letting go of all of those things. And that's what makes you unique in this world. Now, let me give you the last thing tonight. Look at verse number 12. And the kind took the straight way to the way of Beshemesh and went along the highway Lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Beshemesh. And I kind of wonder if there was like something right there of going, huh. Guess it was real. Look down at verse 14. 
And the cart came into the field of Joshua, Meshemite, and stood there where there was a great stone. And of course, they claved the wood of, of the cart. And well, this is the bummer if you want to be like a milk cow at the end, you're offered up as a burnt offering unto the Lord. Amen. So. You know, that's the danger in having a pet cow. You can never have ribeyes, amen. <laughs> Let me give you the last thing tonight. You know what made them unique is this, their willingness to stay the course and finish. Faithful. I don't mean this to sound the wrong way, and I, and I, I think about the people in our church tonight, and I'm so grateful that there's, there's not only a younger crowd and young, middle-aged and all of that, but there's even the senior saints tonight that have been faithful for so long, and I'm grateful for that tonight. And I really am, but I want to say to you tonight, what you and I have or enjoy, or we're enjoying here at Faith Baptist Church is really unique. And I want to say this tonight, and I want you to listen to this. One of the saddest messages sent by this generation of believers has been the message of unfaithfulness. I've been pastoring since 2008. I got, I got saved in 1996. I've been in ministry since 2002, but I've been pastoring since 2008, which is over 15 years. And in my time, I have seen a whole lot of this. I used to say this when I was pastoring Bible Baptist Church in Cassville. I always said this. I said, if we had all the people that had been saved in the years that I was there, we would have built a new building. And we watch far too many start out well. And please understand this tonight. You know me. I don't play around with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There needs to be conviction, and we made sure of that. There was no repeat one, two, three, easy believism. We gave them the gospel, and we saw people broken and humbled and call upon the name of the Lord and truly get born again. And we saw them start off well. But many of them did not finish because some trial or difficult circumstance took place in their life. And I want you to listen to this tonight. What this generation needs to see is a change so deep in the hearts and minds of God's people that we refuse to go back to the old ways no matter what happens. Spiritual growth. It's not getting saved and then reading some worldly religious book and turning away after some false doctrine. Spiritual growth is when you do like these two milch kind right here and you stay the course and you turn not to the right hand or to the left. The Christian life is not a phase of life that you go through for a few weeks or, or a few months and then you go back to the old life. It's not something you try out. Well, I just want to see if it works. And then as soon as something goes wrong, you quit. Folks, it's, it's a new life. You get, when you get saved, and the intention is for you to spend the rest of your days as a living sacrifice Serving the one that bought you with a price. It's not a phase of life, it's a lifetime. Giving up, quitting, turning to one side or the other, all sends the message that God's grace isn't sufficient. And the sad part is it confirms 
to the skeptical of this world that thinks it's all fake and we just got a bunch of bad luck when there is no such thing as luck there's a God in heaven who's sovereign and over all things I want you to listen to this tonight and I'm through in his book Winning the Values War Leith Anderson told this story listen to this At the 100th anniversary of the arrival of the missionaries in Zaire, Christians gathered to celebrate from that part of the country that was once called the Belgian Congo. Near the end of the celebration, a very old man stood to give a speech, and he said that he would die soon, and that he needed to tell something that no other man still living knew. He explained that when the first white missionaries came, his people didn't know whether to believe their message or not, So they devised a plan to slowly and secretly poison the missionaries and watch them die. One by one, children and adults became ill. They died and they were buried. It was when his people saw how these missionaries died that they decided to believe their message. The missionaries never knew what was happening. They didn't know they were being poisoned and they didn't know why why they were dying. But listen to this, their faithfulness to the Lord convince the people that they minister to that their message was true. I understand that's a difficult story. It's certainly a difficult story to read and, and to look at and even to say tonight or to hear. But the reason that I gave it to you is because it shows the impact that faithfulness has on the lost. What should be a common characteristic among God's people has become rare. But it's so desperately needed in our day and time. To see people serving Him for a lifetime. Who'd have ever thought you'd get so much out of a milk cow? Besides milk. Or a bowl of cereal. But it's a powerful example of not only what we need to be as God's people, but why. Because our world is full of idolatry. And they're skeptical of the things of God. And they need to see a people that's unique so that they can understand not only is there a God, but they too can have what we have. Let's all stand tonight.